Hello, everyone. It's Eves checking in here to let you know that you're going to be hearing two different events in history in this episode. They're both good, if I do say so myself. On with the show. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to This Day in History class, where we bring you a new tidbit from history every day. The day was June 8th, 1972. The Vietnam War, a particularly deadly conflict, had been going on for nearly two decades. Associated Press photographer Nick Oot was outside of Chong Bong, a village in southeast Vietnam, when a South Vietnamese aircraft dropped its payload of napalm. Oot took photos of the scene. One of those photos became known as the Napalm Girl photo, a black-and-white picture of a young girl named Phan Thi Kim Phuc running naked as other children ran alongside her and South Vietnamese forces followed. The horrifying picture became a symbol of the brutality of the war, and it got Nick Oot a Pulitzer Prize. Nick Oot was born in Vietnam in 1951. After his older brother, who was an Associated Press photographer, died in Vietnam, Oot began to take photos for the AP at age 16. Oot was covering the Vietnam War for the AP when he captured the photo near Chong Bong. A South Vietnamese Air Force pilot flying a propeller-driven, American-made A-1 Sky Raider carried out the napalm bombing at Chong Bong. The point of the attack was to get North Vietnamese units out of their positions at Chong Bong. As Oot witnessed the aftermath of the attack, he took photos. He used the Leica M2 camera with a 35mm Summicron lens. TV cameraman Alan Downs had also caught footage of Kim Phuc and the other children running down the road away from the napalm attack. At the time Oot took the photo, called The Terror of War, Kim Phuc was nine years old. Kim Phuc is just left of center in the photo, her mouth open in a yell and her arms outstretched as she runs toward the camera. The children that surround her are clothed, and the South Vietnamese forces walk behind them as a plume of smoke rises in the background. The fire caused by the bombs had burned off Kim Phuc's clothes and burned her skin. A correspondent gave her water and poured some on her burns. When Oot realized that Kim Phuc had been burned, he took her to a hospital in Saigon. Doctors said she might not survive her third-degree burns, and she was sent to a specialist plastic surgery center. She received many surgical procedures for her injuries and survived, though some of her family members died. An editor at the AP rejected the photo because it showed full frontal nudity. Back then, photos that included nudity were off-limits. Horst Foss, head of the Saigon Photo Department, said that they should make an exception to publish the photo, under the condition that no close-ups of Kim Phuc would be permitted. Hal Buell, the New York photo editor, also believed the photo was worth sharing, despite the nudity, so the AP transmitted the photo. Many newsrooms had to disregard their own policies of nudity depiction in photographs to publish the image. White House recordings that were later released showed that then-President Richard Nixon and Chief of Staff H.R. Haldeman wondered whether the photo was authentic or actually staged. At the time the photo was published, anti-war sentiment had already been escalating in the United States, so the photo did not really contribute as much to such feelings among Americans as some media sources have stated. 
It's also a myth, as some sources have noted, that the photo helped end the war, which came to a close in 1975. In 1973, the United States pulled out of the Vietnam War. That same year, Oot won the Pulitzer Prize for Spot News Photography and the World Press Photo of the Year for that image. Oot and Kim Phuc stayed in touch over the years. Nick Oot retired in 2017. Kim Phuc went on to help victims of war around the world. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Keep up with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at TDIHC Podcast. And if you are as fascinated by history and its resounding effects as I am, you'd probably love the new podcast, Unpopular. It's a show I host about people who challenge the status quo, even when they face the threat of persecution. In the show, I take a look at what the descent of our forebears can teach us about protest and contrarianism today. You can listen wherever you listen to this day in history class. Thanks again for being here, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hey y'all, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a podcast where we rip out a page from the history books every single day. The day was June 8th, 1783. A volcanic fissure in Iceland called Laki began erupting. The eruption, also known as the Skaftau fires, lasted eight months. Lakagigar, or Laki, is part of a volcanic system in the southeastern part of Iceland. Another nearby volcano, Grimsvatn, was erupting at the same time as the Laki fissure. At the time of the eruption, the population of Iceland was at about 50,000. Weeks before the eruption began, people in the area felt earthquakes. On June 8, 1783, Lakagigar began erupting when lava began pouring out of more than 130 volcanic craters. The eruption consisted of 10 pulses of activity, and each pulse had similar phases. There were earthquakes, then a new fissure, then a short explosive eruption, then violent explosions with a high rate of magma discharge, then low-level eruptions with lava flows. A priest named Jón Steingrimsson described the eruption, saying in part, quote, First the ground swelled up with tremendous howling, then suddenly a cry shattered it into pieces. Volcanic ash from the eruption was then carried away by the wind and spread over the land and sea. The lava from the fissures covered nearly 1,000 square miles of land or 2,500 square kilometers. Volcanic gases convert to aerosols in the atmosphere and can affect whole regions. The lava flows released sulfur dioxide, which created acid rains that killed trees and irritated skin. The clouds of sulfur dioxide and hydrogen fluoride that Laki produced turned into a haze that spread throughout Europe and into Russia and China. People realized that animals were being affected by the eruption, getting growths on their bodies and becoming bloated. As the earth was contaminated, livestock were poisoned. More than half of Iceland's grazing livestock died due to the Laki eruption. Because the poisonous clouds killed crops and livestock, famine and disease were rampant. This resulted in the death of somewhere between 20 and 25% of Iceland's population. Some people have suggested that the famine and poverty the eruption caused helped trigger the French Revolution. 
Most of the lava flows erupted in the first five months of the event, but the eruption wasn't completely over until February of 1784. By the end of the eruption, the fissures extended for 17 miles or 27 kilometers. The newly formed chain of volcanoes was later named Laki. The eruption had a huge impact on Iceland and other places in the Northern Hemisphere. It produced one of the largest basaltic lava flows in recorded history, but its direct effect on Earth's climate has been debated. Some have suggested that the eruption caused regional cooling and precipitation patterns. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can send them to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Feel free to leave us a kind note on social media as well. We're at TDIHC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.